This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to another ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Business Women Australia podcast, the podcast for ambitious women who are serious about business success and leadership development, keen to increase their knowledge and skills. And welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. This is episode 20 and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. Now, according to my guest today, in 2020, up to 60% of the workforce will be millennials. So older generations, well, we have to learn different approaches to effectively recruit and retain millennials. Joining me on today's show is Heather Warner, Principal of WCA People and Cultural Solutions, who she typically works with SMEs as their outsourced HR department. They also work in every conceivable industry. Now, she has 30 years experience in organizational development, industrial relations, and human resource management, including public, private, and not-for-profit sectors in WA, across the East Coast, and the UK. And some of the companies include Rio, Great Central Mines, and ASG, just to name a few. Now, on today's show, Heather's going to share with us 2000 2018's recruitment trends for businesses. Now, whether you're a large business or even a small business, this is going to be relevant for you. She's also going to share some innovation and technology. Uh, What's the latest in recruitment? And AI, I'm sure, is a term we've heard, but what are they using in the innovation and technology in recruitment? She's also going to talk about the right approach to recruit millennials and lots more, I'm sure. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Yes, you you make me sound so old, 30 years experience, but it is true. I have, I've been working in this space for a long time. So um, it's really interesting to see some of the tips and trends that are coming through. Yes, very exciting. And I think, you know, as businesses, we need to remain aware of these things, these tools and and, uh, technologies that are just incredible, because one of the things that we know is so important our staff are our greatest asset. We obviously as a business owners and uh, leaders of our business are of course as well, but we can't scale, we can't grow our business and we have unless we have the right people in the right roles and uh, everyone's working together, which I mean, as we know, there's always horror stories, isn't there, about hiring the wrong person. And sometimes, you know, we can complain, but really it, it could be the approach. We could uh, maybe not have screened them well enough. So I'm so glad that you're coming on the show today. Let's talk about some of the recruitment trends, large or small businesses in 2018. What do we need to be aware of? Look, I think the first thing that we've seen from a 2018 Entello Recruitment Trends Report is that 61% of businesses plan to actually increase the volume of recruitment. So great news for the economy. Um, that is that is worldwide, but certainly applicable in Australia as well. 
that we're seeing an increase in recruitment, which means that our economy has turned. So mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's the first thing. So it's relevant for all, I suppose. That's the reason for mentioning that. I think the other key trends we're seeing from that particular report, and as I said, it's, it's 2018's report, and mm. it's um, uh, across a huge cross-section of, of industry, both small and large, um, and international and Australian. Yes. The priority seems to be um, entry level, so that ta uh, taps into that millennial area that you were talking about, so mm -hmm. that's entry level staff. Yes. Um, and the other kind of key trends that we're seeing is the candidate experience, and that, that taps into that AI area, that artificial intelligence. So, and I'm really glad in your intro that you mentioned about, you know, how important employees are. Mm. The, um, it used to be that we talked about CX, which was the customer experience. So that was the, that was the little acronym that was given, CX. Mm -hmm. And now businesses, and Richard Branson sort of started the push, but now businesses have completely sort of done an about face on that. And we're talking about the EX, the employee experience. Wow. Because of yeah. course, no surprise here, Anne-Marie, if the employee is happy, if the employee is motivated and engaged, well, probably the customer will be motivated and engaged too because they'll be so. dealing with a really engaged, mm. you know, um, employee. Yes. So um, it's the candidate experience that's differentiated when you're talking about recruitment. Mm -hmm. And so you're thinking about that. So if, if the employee experience is important and it, and it matters how that candidate is being interacted with, mm -hmm. it is the whole interaction with that person from the moment they even see an advertisement to if they ring the organisation to get some information, mm -hmm. what they're getting back from any application that they possibly put in, are they, are they actually being looked after, are, they being, are their questions being met, are they being connected with, mm -hmm. all of that has had such a big change. There's some really fantastic tips and techniques and there's also some fantastic artificial intelligence kind of uh, mechanisms to make that really work for you. Yeah, fantastic. And I look forward to diving into some of those in a moment. Let's just talk about, if you will, just briefly, the recruitment trends that you're seeing with some of those industries. Were there any surprises? And what would say the top three industries that are really booming um, and, and at the top that are, they're really going in for more hires? Look, I think, I think in Australia, we're still seeing a construction boom in the East. Mm. And that's starting to come through to the West. Um, we're still, uh, we're still uh, well, not still, we are seeing a huge growth in the, in the medical biotech kind of space um, and in the agricultural space. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly mining is starting to pick up. And of course, that has in the West here and across Australia, it starts to have a, a knock-on effect yes. with all of the mining services organisations. So, you know, in some respects, Henry, it's kind of a little bit across the board. Yeah, which, as you said, is exciting because it means that, um, you know, when some industries are booming, it's going to impact other industries um, with crossovers and, and things like that. So uh, very exciting to see. When we're talking about innovation and technology, what would you say are some of the, let's talk about firstly, some of the barriers that you see organisations need to get a handle of first, maybe with their existing processes or something, because yeah. if they don't, it's going to be very hard for them to benefit, if you will, by adopting some of these innovative, you know, innovative yeah. technologies. Yeah, look, great question, Anne-Marie. 
Um, I think I think with any recruitment process, um, you know, there's the there's the initial sourcing, which mm. starts with advertising. There's then the screening. There's what we call then the nurturing. So that's that engagement that I was talking about before. Um, then the, then the actual sort of meeting with them. So nurturing might be phone conversations, etc. Mm. But it's actually the meeting with them um, through interviews, etc. We've seen quite a bit of change in that space. But kind of coming back to your to your point, you need to have all those steps in any recruitment process. And I think some organisations miss some of those steps, mm. or perhaps um, don't give each of those steps the benefit that they could, sure. or don't get the benefit from each of those steps that they could. That's probably a better way of putting it. Mm. Um, particularly, I think in the sourcing and the screening and the nurturing. So they are those first touch points with the individual, mm -hmm. um, lots of opportunity for AI in these areas. But even if you don't have that money, even if you're quite a small organisation mm -hmm. and you're, you're just wanting to, you know, to hire one person for a small team, yes. um, the approach you take to sourcing and the approach you take to screening can A, save you an awful lot of time mm -hmm. and B, make sure that you don't make that really expensive choice of hiring someone that isn't, isn't good right no and uh, you know we, we, we talk a little bit about AI and how some of co the companies that you're seeing and maybe you might have helped on board some of these technologies with your clients I would imagine that if organizations don't have the correct processes in place that a human can't pinpoint who is right and who's not it's going to be very difficult to get an artificial intelligence to, to, to tell yeah. them what to do if we're not getting it right from a human perspective so uh, very important that that is in place, yes? Yes, look, I, I would say so. I mean, mm. certainly uh, I think AI in some areas can actually take that away from an organisation and so if they weren't doing it well, perhaps that is a solution. Mm. Um, but I think, I think you're absolutely right. If you're not quite sure of your own process and if you're not quite sure of really what you're looking for mm. and, and, and the best way for you to find that right person, um, adding technology to the to the mix is is not going to help yes. the situation. It's probably the worst. Yeah. So you do you're absolutely right, Andrew. Yes. You do you do need to have a good sense of what you're looking for mm. and how you might best. Uh, achieve that. Yeah. One thing that I think it could benefit from, um, from even the employee or the potential employee, is that sometimes as a, a recruiter or, or someone who is screening, we bring our own perceptions and sometimes uh, misperceptions or, you know, misunderstandings, um, biases, biases <laughs> to the relationship. And I would imagine that with AI, they don't have that. It's kind of this and this, black, white, and if it's gone through or if the person's correctly answered it, they go through that. So what are some of the technologies um, that you're seeing used really well in the whole process when it comes to technology yeah. integrated into the screening process? Yeah. Look, certainly, first of all, the, the, I mean, AI in recruitment is not a new thing. Yeah. Um, we were working with a large drilling organisation probably some 10 years ago and they already had a process in place by which all, um, all jobs were advertised, particularly sort of um, drillers or field assistant type roles, all advertised through SEEK. When you went through SEEK, you had to then apply, you, um, you had to have your... CV and your letter in an application form and you went through um, what was at the time called Big Red Sky from mm -hmm. memory, um, which was a particular program that then filtered that CV in whatever form it came in 
and identified exactly like you've said, Anne-Marie, black or white, have they got drilling experience? Was it underground? Was it, you know, open cut? Mm-hmm. Um, how long for? What kind of organisation? What kind of drill rig, et cetera, et cetera. And it just picked all of that information up off the CV, you know, yeah. um, via, via technology and then spat out at the other end, you know, we should talk to or we should be looking at Bob, John and Jim, but mm-hmm. not Matthew, Stephen and Luke. Yes. For, for what it, so that, it's been around for a long time. So there's all those sorts of programs um, and packages that, that are just keep, keep getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're sort of seeing now um, is, well, first of all, the first thing I would say is that, you know, that kind of package is expensive. Um, and is really valuable in a high-volume recruitment situation, mm. but not as relevant for a smaller business or for even for a larger business that's not always hiring the same sort of people mm. um, because you don't know what your, you know, your data out is only as good as your data in. And so if you have a very clear remit as to the type of job, the, the, the qualifications, the skills, the capabilities, competencies that mm-hmm. you require, you've got a very clear understanding of that, artificial intelligence works really well mm. um, in that space. But it's certainly not so easy if you're just wanting to, we're working with a client at the moment and they're, they're sort of looking for someone who's got an accounting background but maybe a bit of business advisory and got a good sort of sales personality, et cetera, et cetera. So yes. that requires, you know, a face-to-face connection yes. to try and work out if that person is, um, is going to be right. Um, but certainly, um, there are lots. There are lots of little things that are available for big or small organisations. Mm-hmm. Some of the packages or some of the applications, I suppose, we've seen in this space. Um, certainly, LinkedIn. LinkedIn offers an awful lot of um, screening. Um, it also offers a lot of uh, filtered generation of of potential applicants. Mm-hmm. Most of the recruiters are using this, but just because the recruiters are using it, it doesn't mean that you as in your own business can't use it. You may have to pay LinkedIn, you may have to pay a fee, LinkedIn's typically free, but you may have to pay a fee to actually gain that capability of Mm. of completing search across across the LinkedIn network. But it is a huge network Mm. and um, we're certainly doing that for a number of our clients. the other thing that LinkedIn has been really good at, at doing, and I, whether you put this into the AI um, uh, camp or not, is so let's say I'm, I've got my own business, it's a professional services organisation, I want to hire another professional services employee. Um, for me to post that, if I've got a reasonably active LinkedIn account and or a Facebook account, mm-hmm. and I start posting on my website, on my website but also on my LinkedIn account and on my Facebook account, that I'm looking for a you know, professional person and I inject a bit of my own culture. I'm looking for someone who likes pink, um, who, you know, that might be a bit of humour and, you know, seeking uh, to work in a professional services organisation in this sort of location, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of tools within Facebook and LinkedIn and that will get out to all of my network and then if that's shared through other networks, that's a fantastic way of basically mm. getting it, uh, an artificially intelligent uh, referral. Yes. So that can work really well. Um, other things we're seeing, Engage is an amazing system that we're hoping, it, it apparently exists in, in Australia, but it's much more, um, much more prevalent in the uh, US. But it's basically a, um, a program 
for um, passively approaching, so uh, basically aggregate, aggregates data on 100 million professionals and across 6 million companies from 30,000 sources. So that's fairly big. Uh, using validated AI models, it identifies target candidates for you who are likely to change jobs. So there's all sorts of applications, programs, packages out there that give you really good access. And it's really just a case of working out right back to where we started, Anne-Marie. Mm. What are you looking for and what might be the best, the best way of go, going about it? Yeah. I think if a, an organisation is looking at integrating some of uh, these technologies, it's really looking at the entire process and saying, you know, is there anywhere that we can integrate some of this to streamline, to, to, uh, to eliminate some bottlenecks perhaps, you know, speed up some things, automate all that kind of thing. And it really is having a conversation I'd imagine with someone such as yourself laying out what they normally do or if this is a new process for them and seeing okay what uh, what can really fit in rather than taking on too much I think or or sometimes and I know Australians can we can tend to do this we're quite skeptical oh we don't we don't use those things but as you say there may be a, a core program or a smaller solution that can really be helpful and save a lot of time and money because if you've got someone on your team uh, and, and a lot of our businesses that we that we have here are smaller teams they don't have a large resource team that has yeah. a dedicated HR person I mean obviously you you can support them by providing that function but that will you know anyone that's doing that as part of their team means they're not working in the role that they're supposed to be doing so anything I think can um, help to make it far more efficient and effective and to get yeah. the right person in the right role. Let's talk a little bit about uh, approaching um, or, or getting the right approach in place to recruit millennials. I went recently to an event and boy, the millennials got a real, in a friendly way, uh, beating it, if you will, for other words, you know, because they're so... Uh, I guess people can tend to think that they're uh, not really driven and they like more flexibility and all that kind of thing. But as we said in this report, in 2020, up to 60% of the workforce will be millennials. So whilst they may need to change their approach slightly, I think we also need to change our approach too because they're a whole different uh, ball game, if you will, aren't they? Let's share more about this. Yes. So look, you know, one of the key things that have come out of uh, some of the, the recent reports, yes, you're absolutely right, we're going to see more millennials in our workforce. And, and I think whether it's around the recruitment process or really around the how do we deal with millennials kind of, mm. you know, managing, recruiting and then ongoing management, there's a real mismatch. So mm. basically millennials, according to research, they want kind of to work, they want more freelancing, they like the idea of the gig economy where they come in and do projects, come in and out, mm -hmm. they love the idea of part-time and, 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 and the other part of their week might be in volunteering or following a cause that they particularly like or just following a passion that they particularly like. Mm. Um, so they want that flexibility. Now the mismatch, of course, Anne-Marie, is that most of the management of the current day and age are not millennials and they expect 12-7 availability. So, uh-oh, mm. that's not working. No. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's a real, there's a real um, mismatch across what 
our, you know, our managers are expecting versus what our millennials are prepared to do. Mm. So the, the, the fantastic term has come out of flexpectations. So those expectations that are flexible, isn't that gorgeous? I love it. Flexpectations. Um, and, and the other part of it is that employee experience. Mm. That is a lot more important to the millennials, like we spoke about before, that EX. Yes. So it's, and, and that can cross over, you know, mm. one of the huge things, trends we're seeing in these two big recruitment reports we've been looking at, um, the LinkedIn report and the Intello report, is the requirement to see diversity. So millennials are expecting flexibility, they're expecting uh, diversity in the work workforce and they're expecting um, a uh, that the, the employee experience from woe to go to be much more engaging. Mm. Um, you know, so that's around things like feedback, but it's also just in the whole process, whether it be recruitment mm -hmm. right through to managing. Yes. One of the things that I've noticed, and this is in some of the um, the office spaces now where they are far more collaborative and community oriented and fun, you know, and, and funkier workplaces and, and mm. fun and flexibility is, is very much because that, as you say, keeps them engaged. Now, I, I going back to that event, the um, organiser, as he was on stage, he said, now, before everyone rolls their eyes, the baby boomers that are in here, you raised those millennials. So, you know, we have no one else to blame but ourselves. Yeah. But I, I think... You know, if, if you provide the right environment and you have millennials that come in, I, I see those as all as pluses. And, and I have to, to say too that I prefer to have more project-based. So you just have to appreciate and then see how can that fit in? Are there more project-based work that we can do and allow them, empower them to oversee that? Um, their whole working style, it might, as you say, be far more flexible. And I also think um, one of the things my my son is a, a is is a millennial in his workplace. He's in IT. Said so you don't necessarily need to work from home because you have a device, which obviously they do. We've got the internet, and you can tap in, you know, to the resources at work here. So, what would you say of some of the biggest obstacles, other than we need to get over ourselves and create the environment and so forth? But what would you still say if organisations aren't going to change a number of these things? It's going to be very hard for them to not only recruit, but to retain some of these millennials who really have a lot of gifts and talents that we are going to need in the future to remain viable mm. and competitive in a, a marketplace now, which is really quite global because of the technology now that available to us. Yeah, yeah look, absolutely, Anne-Marie. Look, you know, my answer to that one would be, I think it's around the diversity that is mm. coming through. 85% of Australian organisations say that diversity is the top trend affecting how they hire. Mm. So people are really thinking about that. this. It's the Me Too campaign, it's the harassment mm -hmm. that's been hitting the news in all of that space, both from a, from a you know, the children, you know, we've got a huge commission, a royal commission that we've been, you know, had going in Australia for quite some time, but that Me Too campaign has mm. sort of, you know, added, added a different slant to it, and that's, of course, international, getting a lot of press. Um, it's that diversity around, you know, how you're setting up your workplace. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one of the big tips. And I've got a really lovely, um, I guess, uh, sort of simple sort of uh, equation, if you like, um, as to what that really means. So um, I, I've seen this 
you know, written down. Basically, diversity is tied to company, company culture and financial performance. To improve the culture, include, improve company performance and better represent customers. But I think diversity, I, I heard this fantastic analogy, Anne-Marie. Um, diversity is being invited to the party. Mm-hmm. Inclusion is um, being, you know, offered a drink and, and being included in the party. That's inclusion. Belonging is dancing at that party like, like mm. you don't care if anyone's watching. Yeah. So that's where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to the belonging. It's all very well to sort of talk about diversity, but we're trying to get to the belonging. And it's, and it's making sure that there is that deeper connection for people at the workplace, mm-hmm. whether they're only there for a part-time basis or a casual basis or popping in or out, mm. but it's making them feel like no matter what their nationality, what their background what their uh, gender is, mm-hmm. that they belong. Mm. That is making a big difference in how we recruit people. Yes. Um, well, we, it needs to be making a big difference on how we recruit people and who we recruit. Yes. And, you know, when you say that, it's not just from an organisational point of view, it has to start with the, the absolute culture because of the organisation. Because if we are just saying, well, we're just going to, we're going to implement this strategy so that we are seen as being more diverse, if it's just spoken words and on paper but not actually lived out, um, it has to impact right from the word go, doesn't it? How are we yeah. going to interact? What are some of the engagement? And I think also too, I mean, as we know, I mean, there's there's diversity and in, in, in the roles, but you also need to get the right fit in the right role, right skill set, um, and whoever's best in doing that. But I think as organisations, I'll give you an example. We. Um, one of my, I won't say the, the company's name, but one of my contacts was in a very large company in the construction industry and they completely went and changed their whole environment. Now, mind you, this whole division were accountants and financiers who dealing with numbers and figures and they're analytical to take away their entire offices and say, well, here you go, it's flexible. You don't have a solid place that you can just wherever you want. To them, it was like, you know, it, it was really off-putting for them and their their yeah. whole culture or, uh, really was, was strained, if you will, or morale, a lot of people left. So I think from an organisation, when we're thinking of them implementing this, we want to also map out how's it going to impact? Are there things that maybe we want to keep the same? Um, but you know what? Ask. So often we assume, don't we, as leaders of organisations that this is going to work. Have we actually asked our team, what did they think? Because they're the ones that are sitting in the office spaces and, you know, doing the work. Do you find that still companies are not really getting it, even though they think this is an exciting new thing and people, are, you know, their teams are going, what's going on now? Here's another initiative that's not going to work, sadly. And, and another change. So, you yeah. know, Amory, we're talking about the employee experience here again, yes. and, and that employee experience was really unsettling. Yes. Um, I think we all have to understand that change is a given, mm-hmm. and, and the, the workplace of, of old where you, you went in, it was always nine to five, nothing changed, mm. always the same management, um, no, no new initiatives. Well, that's well well and truly dead. We're not, we're not in that space anymore mm. because of technology and et cetera, et cetera, there is just so much more change in all of our lives mm-hmm. that we've all had to learn to deal with. And I think, I think that has an impact. But 
absolutely, as you say, you need to engage with people to find out what they want. I've actually got a, I've got a, a reverse example of that, Anne-Marie, if you like. Yes. Um, and, it, and it sort of touches on those um, millennials. PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC, had a huge turnover problem. Um, and it was suggested that they could, um, well, they could survey their employees. So they surveyed their 44,000 employees mm -hmm. across the globe. And of course, it was in particular millennials. They were the ones that participated and they, you know, they have a lot of millennials in their employment. Um, the study found that they felt that, it inter that work interfered with their personal lives and they wanted to walk, work more from home. So PwC has moved to looking at co-working office spaces. So more of that hot desk, more like what you're talking mm. about. So they are accountants, but they were asked mm. um, where people could reserve seats or offices depending on their requirement. They are estimating, it hasn't actually been completely implemented at my, in my understanding, they are estimating this could save in office space alone $850 million. Wow. So, you know, we've talked about the fact that, you know, some smaller businesses can't necessarily implement change and, and you know, hiring millennials, it, 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 there's a, you know, potentially a challenge to totally change the way you do things. Yes. But when you're sort of looking at that kind of return, there's an incentive. That that's a figure. That that is something that is going to speak volumes. I think around the boardroom table, don't you think? Yeah. And you know what I no, like about it, that? It's it's, it's, being, it's being flexible. Sorry, to me to cut you. No, off no, there. no. That that's fine. I mean, I was just going to say. I mean, that the, in 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 there, that example shows the value of listening to your team, collaborating, in in coming up with the approach. And I think one of the other changes, and you may have touched on this, is the whole nine to five. I mean, you know, gone are the days where, where people, well, you have to be at work 40 hours, whatever, 50 hours. You can be so productive in four, hour, in four hours because if you know, and that's often what will happen, won't it? Because you know, well, if, you, if you're able to leave then, you get things done. So how often do we spend time at work and the day just drags on towards the end of the day anyway? We're far, you know, far more tired. Um, and so I think when organisations start to recognise that, that is definitely going to impact EX, mm. EX, employee experience, I think is the new term. EX, yes. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Heather, moving forward then for organisations or leaders who have um, heard what you've said and, and maybe they're struggling a little bit or they'd like to make sure 2018 moving forward that they have the right things in place or maybe even just have a conversation, what is the best way for them to connect with you? Look, we are available um, through our website, Facebook or LinkedIn. So we are wcasolutions.com as a website or um, we are in Facebook as WCA People and Culture Solutions and in LinkedIn as WCA People and Culture Solutions. Um, and, yeah, we would love to connect with anyone, even if it's just for a half an hour conversation about what they can do differently, better, mm -hmm. um, really happy to, to share our experience with people um, and if that leads to other things will so be it. Yes and as we know with recruitment uh, if you estimate the cost of hiring someone and then you know nurturing them or trying to within your workplace the cost of hiring and nurturing the wrong person is um, yeah 
is is if you calculate it is uh, thousands yeah. tens of thousands isn't it um or yeah, look, some, have, some have estimated it for for a really senior role yeah. you know up at the sort of 200 300 yeah. 000. now i haven't done those stats so i'm not sure about that mm. but i think i think the key is and, and one of the things i will just point out amory so we we're not an agency so we're not body shopping and and what we do is we just provide an extra pair of hands with the yeah. outsourced hr mm -hmm. team so we can just do a little part of your process or the whole mm. process whatever mm. you need and it's just charged on the time that it takes yes so i think the real question to be asking yourself particularly as a smaller business is what is the opportunity cost mm. if i am sitting here and reviewing 550 20 cvs and if i'm phone screening five of them to see if they're worth interviewing and then if i'm meeting with five or six people when really i, I would have been much better to just meet with the final two because the rest were rubbish mm -hmm. what am i not doing yes what customer am i not seeing what what report am i not writing what mm -hmm. am i not doing yeah. so that's really that's really where it comes to my time is as a as a you know as a manager of a business is probably worth more in doing what i should be doing Absolutely. and it's and it's probably worth getting someone who's an expert or can at least just add some expertise for a, for a period of time mm. uh to do the bit that they're good at yes you're the expert in the team um that can be called upon when the need yeah. arises and someone there as you know as you say because you're outsourced when you need that advice, that expert mm. advice, and um, you don't necessarily need to hire someone full-time to do that for you. So uh, no. fantastic. And of no. course, we'll put all of the links on the show notes as well. Um, and uh, if people are listening to the Facebook Live, we will be tagging you in that and then they can click straight across. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's so great uh, to be able to hear from different industries what's going on, the new technologies. It's exciting um, to be able to keep, keep abreast of that because and, you know, as you know, with all the changes across different industries, it's hard for us to maintain awareness. And so it's good to be able to have experts such as yourself come on the show to, to share your knowledge to help uh, businesses continue to grow businesses that's going to impact uh, Australia and obviously those who are dealing overseas uh, the world. So thanks once again for coming on the show. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute privilege, privilege speaking with you. My pleasure. Now, if you want to find out more about Business Women Australia and how you can become part of this dynamic group of women leaders and learners so that you can gain the knowledge and, of course, the skills that will enable you to succeed in business, all you need to do is go to www.businesswomenaustralia.com.au. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au.